0: boy, Johnny, in the Iron Show studio. And as the late Father Malachi Martin once said,
1: I've only been twice in my life threatened with real death, but really threatened once was in Czechoslovakia and once was in America. And uh, it's a horrible feeling knowing that unless something happens, you are going to die now. Fear. Fear. Fear.
0: fear. Counselor Mark Brett.
1: Just because you are not paranoid does not mean that they are not c- coming for you. <coughs> uh, this is D. Dutch Miller Prop, and you
0: are listening to the Iron Show. Oh.
1: I've been flung out of bed. I've been knocked off stools and broken my shoulder um, by the demon to get his own back, just to remind me he was there uh, and to make me pay a price for the damage I did.
2: This is like going to war. It's very much like going to when
1: war. Going to war. What most people don't realize is that there's a spiritual war on. And as St. Paul says, it's a war with the spirits. It's a war with the uh, with the forces of evil the invisible forces that want men's souls. Are there times, as a priest, mm-hmm. where um,
2: even the very best of men, doctor, sometimes um, fear war reasonably? Does a priest sometimes fear entering this war when you yes. when you know you are about to uh, yes. meet up once again with yes. the worst?
1: Yes, there's always that fear. And a very old exorcist gave me advice years ago in Ireland. I mentioned this trip. And he said, "Okay, but listen, learn to measure your love of God by the amount of fear in your heart. Hmm. Which is a very profound statement. It is, yes. Because it it depends on how much you love God. And if you really love Him as Father, as Savior, uh, and as final end of everything, and as the beautifier, and as the the creator of nature, the creator of all beauty in our lives, um, it can expel fear. But if you nourish fear, the fear can grow, and uh, not quantitatively, but it can equal or surpass the amount of love you have in your heart. And then you're in danger, because that fear is going to make you despair. That fear is going to make you timorous. That fear is going to make you vulnerable. Uh, love is the only thing that can cure it love is the only uh, protection we have love is the only uh, protection we have love is the only uh, protection protection we have dr future
0: what's up what's up king wells what's up
1: king what's up what's
0: up could i ask you a question
1: pete sure johnny anything
0: Counselor Mark. What's up? What's, What's up? up? Yeah. All right. Let's bring this man on. Grab my mic. What's up?
1: What's <laughs> up? <laughs>
0: Scotland Cuba, the Demon
1: Slayer!
0: Hey, bro, let me tell you what, i I'm really <laughs> impressed the great show you got going on here. Be blessed, bro. Keep on uh, giving the devil a black eye on the iron. Show.
1: Hello, world! <laughs> Alright! <laughs> Hello,
0: Iron Show Land! Yeah. Are you crazies that, that like to listen to Johnny! <laughs> Are you unique people, peculiar, strange people? What's up? What's up? What's up?
2: What's up? That's that's one one of the reasons why fear has such a hold on us is we want to be known, purely and completely known, and yet still loved. Yes, and and, and, and what we do then is we hide parts of ourselves from each other because we know that we're ugly and that we're, we're covered with sin. And, 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 and that oh, is it, that is just the worst part of sin and, and death, is it drives that wedge between us and God. It's that thing that just gets in there and makes it ugly. And we hide from Him, and He's done everything to try and come to us. And we just, when we want to hide, and we hide it from ourselves and we hide it from other people. And the longer we live, the better we get at it, unless we let him get at it. Unless we let him get at it. it. You should get a a, a WAV file of a door creaking. Start it with that, just like a door creaking, like an old horror movie.
0: Yeah.
2: Guy- I went digging through the basement, <laughs> and I found something scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I right. bust in with... All right.
0: Get that one shot. Sounds like a good plan. All right. Hey, welcome to the Iron Show. It's your boy, Johnny. I'm down here with Counselor Mark Breton. Hi, Counselor Mark. It's so nice to be here with you on the Iron Show. Oh. And we are down here. We are recording uh, our intro to Fear, the, uh, the fourth part. The fourth floor. The fourth, fourth floor. Fourth, Show it will not die. It will not die. It will not die. It will not die. Will not die. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, baby. <laughs> yeah I wish so we have. Uh, we're off. 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 We're off.
2: We're off. 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 we are show we like we Dude, it is, man.
0: Dude, I stitched an arm here and I stitched a leg there, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, you know, <laughs> you my picture I put it on the web. She put bolts in my neck. <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Oh, it's alive! Oh, in the name of God! Oh, now I know what it feels like to be God. Oh,
1: okay, okay. <laughs>
0: That one memorized. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it's alive in the name of God. Now I know what it feels like to be God. Okay. This is our last session and the last uh, the last and final uh fear session. And let's we are more, <laughs> on, yeah, unless we record more about fear. But for now, <laughs> killer, a little bit.
1: Oh yes.
0: Not a single drop of water on Arrakis. No, no. Yes. It's by will it's by will alone I, I, I my set mind my emotions. mind <laughs> Yes. thoughts acquire speed, the lips acquire a stain. It's by will alone I set my mind in motion.
2: Fear, fear, <laughs> fear is the fear little, is the death, little death, death that brings, that about, brings total about total obliteration. I will face I will my fear face my and fear allow and it to pass, pass the past through me. Through me. And looking behind, and looking behind me, me, I will see only the
0: path. Fear is the mind killer. Yes! You know it! All right, so uh, I guess with all of that, we are going to... Let you uh, listen deep to the final episode, part four of Fear with
2: Counselor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Counselor Mark. Let me remind you: if you need help, if you want help, if you want to talk, email me, theBreton at gmail.com. Spell it out. T H E B R E T O N at gmail.com. All right. Let me hear you. All right. Yeah. right, yeah. right, yeah. right And, and and the thing is is in life I am the guy holding the bag. And You're, so oh, I need yeah. to recognize that and just say, Okay, Lord, you know, have mercy on me a sinner. Just like that guy was praying that Jesus when Jesus was talking about the tax collector, yes. and he was talking about the Pharisee. The Be Pharisees were the dangerous ones because they honestly believed that they could fulfill the law of God.
0: Yes. And what did they say? Thank you, God. For making me such a wonderful person, and not like that wicked old tex- tax collector over there—that's it, man. slimy the publican. publican. But the publican said he beat his chest violently and said, "Have mercy on me, God, a sinner." And what did yep. Jesus say about that guy?
2: Well, Jesus said that you need to be that guy. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, in essence, that's what it was. He said, you "Truly, I say unto
0: guy. you." He said, "Truly, I say to you, that man went home justified."
2: Exactly. He went justified because he admitted his guilt and he dealt with it before the only person who can deal with his guilt. And that was God. And so, like I said, fear divvies up two ways. You either have the fear of the Lord or you have the fear of man. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get in column A and stay in column A. We all operate back and forth in this because yes. every era, it's all surrender. You know, We keep going through these different things, these temptations and these situations – So that we can learn to stand. You know, that's the idea is we have to use the fear that we feel and recognize it, call it what it is, and then go, you know what? I'm really afraid of what this person thinks. I'll give you a for instance. I teach a class at my church, and there have been times when I have actually been afraid that they're going to take it from me. That they're going to come up and say, you know what, Mark, we're going to – We really feel like we need to change the leadership here. That's another fear. And what's that fear though? So I I look at that and I'm like, well, what am I afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that somebody's going to think I'm not adequate. Somebody's going to think I'm not competent. Somebody's going to think I'm heretical. Somebody's going to think that I'm doing harm to the college and career group. Somebody's going to think something bad about me. You know, and and I'll tell you what, my experience in church is the same as everybody else's. People talk, people gossip, people say things that aren't true, and other people are willing to listen and believe it. And I feel sorry for the people that are willing to listen to it and believe it a whole lot more than I feel sorry for the gossip. However, you know, I want the Lord to bring both of those people into into that relationship. And, And I had to overcome that. Afraid uh, of what these people were going to think, I did not teach with the boldness that I needed to teach. Now, of course, I did overcome this. I, I I spent time before the Lord and I admitted that I was afraid of people, that I was afraid of this these people in leadership, that I was going to fall short, and that they were going to look at me and they were going to kind of do the frown and go, mm, you know, like the three guys that sentenced, you know, what's uh, Jor El to, you know, the Phantom Zone, the big floating heads. You know, (laughs) you're guilty, you know, and that's really what it was kind of like. It's like these people are going to come down and they're going to say, you are not good enough. And then I'm just going to have to live with it because I'm powerless in that situation. And so then, like we talked about with anger, anytime you experience powerlessness, then you're prone to want to get angry so that you can have power. So then I could get mad and go, well, those people are stupid anyways, or they don't really know anything. I'm the guy who went to seminary. I'm the one with the master's degree. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, you know, blah, blah. On and on. Exactly. And it's just, <laughs> as Shakespeare put it, a loud sounding wind signifying nothing. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and so I had to deal with that fear. Well, that fear was rooted in my inability to trust God in that thing. And I'll tell you why I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him because, first of all, I have my own inadequacies. Here I am with these ordained ministers who have obviously earned the trust of somebody enough so that they would ordain them. Okay, there's one. Two, do I know what I need to know? Do I actually know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, then that is evidence of me trying to teach in the flesh.
0: Oh. I'm trying to teach
2: in the flesh. Oh, Okay, so then it becomes about – it's more important about what Mark thinks about the Bible than what the Bible thinks about Mark. Mm. so then I'm in the flesh well you don't want me teaching in the flesh anyhow <laughs> that's not what you want
0: no that's not going to work
2: I I told somebody one time I, I was talking about uh, being a pastor and uh, there was a, a resume that I did up in a letter I think and, and I basically I said to him I said you know what I'm good for about a month and a half of Sundays of the flesh teaching and after that I'm just going to start repeating myself yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. And, and and that's real. You know, that's all I got. Yep. <laughs> and until I start following the spirit and get away from the fear of men, my students would suffer. What do I care about more? What do I love more? The approval of men, as my fleshly self, or do I fear God and am I seeking His will for these people in my class? What's more important? Am I going to then take the time to prepare? And have all this stuff ready so that when the Holy Spirit says this is the plate I want you to to teach off of, this is the one I want you to serve. I'm prepared. You know, always be ready to give an answer. And so, will I do the homework, or am I going to just show up and go, hey, you know, I've been a Christian 35 years. Let's wing it. And and so there's a fear of man that was introduced into that, and it had to do with my shame, and it had to do with adequacy, and it had to do with identification. And a lot of our fear, because we this is where we really got to get down to it, you know, like I talked about you either fear the Lord or you fear men, and so that's the those are the motives that we act out of, and we see that fear become bigger things uh in our lives they start to basically dig a groove you know if you let a it's yes. like a record yeah you know when back in the day when they used to press vinyl well they had to make something that they were going to press the vinyl with. Yeah. And if, you know, if the signal got too loud, it would, the groove would cut too deep into the, into the metal that they use for the press and it would sound horrible.
0: Yeah. Saturation. You know?
2: Yeah. And, and so it's distorted and it's not good and all that. And uh, so for all those young people listening, that's how a record is made. Yes. With a lathe. <laughs> so anyhow, um, what happens is we let that get grooved. Uh, another Uh, You know, description which some people might be able to identify with is a golf swing. You know, you can get grooved into a really bad golf swing and figure out how to shift enough to get the ball down down the fairway a little bit. But you've grooved yourself in a way that's not going to last. And when you turn 50, your back's going to hate you and you're going to have pulled muscles and strained tendonitis because you've grooved the wrong thing. And we groove fear. We condition ourselves and we groove fear. And so then we don't know how to act. That's like putting band-aids
0: on a bad thing to make it work.
2: Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's compensation. Wow. So we compensate. And, And usually in bad, fearful situations, we overcompensate. And so we get used to that kind of thing. And that's where you start seeing really heavy anxiety. You start seeing people get very fixated with certain things. You see neurosis. And you see codependent relationships. And all those things all go together. Um,
0: Which will get you across town, but if you try to make a trip to L.A. down I-5, forget it.
2: Yeah. I had a friend that wouldn't leave her house. She had got to the point where she was so afraid of what could possibly happen to her. And all at the root of it was what what were people going to think. She had become so broken that she couldn't stand to go out and the, just the idea of anybody actually, and she had almost become nonfunctional. She actually went out, she bought groceries and, and whatever, but she just didn't want to interact with anything or anybody because she had gone from being just afraid to feeding that fear to having it become anxiety and having it become a fixation to becoming neurotic about it. I mean, she just, and and, and then it turns into a phobia, you know, and a phobia is an unjustified fear, You're know, like being afraid of heights. Well, of course it makes sense to be afraid of heights. If you fall from a high place, you're going to get hurt or you're going to die. There we go with death again. Yeah. You know, we don't want to flirt with death. It makes perfect sense. But if the precautions are taken to be at a high place and you're not going to fall unless something, God forbid, should happen, just totally freak accident… Then you should be fine. If you've got a harness on and you're strapped to something that doesn't move and you're up high, guess what? You don't need to be afraid. You're not going anywhere. And but that's the
0: fear of the Lord, that harness.
2: I believe so. In life, when it comes to dealing with men, that's the harness. Wow. That's a really good way to look at it. He has secured our self-worth. He has secured our self-being, uh, our, uh, who we are you know, self being kind of sounds redundant, but he's secured that self if we will trust in him, you know, and, and we are told not to put make in, you know, any provision for the flesh. And in my mind, that means the opposite as well. We need to make every provision for the spirit. What do we do that is, is facing down our fear?
0: What about this um, fear that Jesus just just isn't good enough to save me? He's just not enough. I don't trust, and also, and also the fear of Jesus is going to dump me like a hot potato. He's going to drop me like a hot potato if I don't watch it. That constant fear of that—that's not well founded either. That's where legalism is found, uh, springs from. Am I wrong? I know. No, you're right.
2: That's legalism. Uh, Legalism. It's like you start down a little road, and it becomes all of a sudden you're a long, long way off the path. But the path runs parallel. You know what I mean. But it isn't the right one. Yeah. And what happens is is legalism, and those kinds of fear that Jesus is going to dump you, that these things are going to occur, and people feel this way. Oh my God, am I saved? You know. And they're praying that. Oh my God, am I saved? You know. And they're worried about their salvation. And you know, it says in Scripture that even if your hearts condemn you, God is bigger than your hearts. So He's given us this idea about how to overcome, how to choose to overcome those fears. And somebody who feels like they're, that Jesus is just going to dump them when he figures out who they really are is, is really uh, acting ignorant. They're acting ignorant of the Word of God. Yeah. They're not doing the things that will reinforce. If right now, if you're hearing, you know, when you hear this broadcast, when you hear this on the Internet, if right now you feel like Jesus is going to dump you, like there's a very good chance that you're not going to be good enough, but you know you had a salvation experience. Right. Get in a Bible teaching church. Yeah. Don't don't stick around and listen to somebody beat you down every Sunday and tell you how awful you are. Yeah, of course you're awful. We're all awful. Yeah. What do you do? Accept it and move on. If 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 you're in a church that's making you feel like you're not good enough, and there is no hope every week you know there's no hope you're you you you're not cutting it you need to find a church that teaches the bible because people are only afraid of that when they're looking at themselves and they're not looking at jesus and they're not looking at jesus lots of times because they're horribly distracted by the legalists. there are people out there that make themselves feel like they're okay by making everybody else feel like they're not
0: yes and you know the the legalists uh the legalists are very, very uh, tricky and they're very good at finding tiny little passages, especially in the Old Testament, to justify their positions and make them and put up a good case for their position. Now, you know, you've got to realize that's what they do, they have to look so hard to find something to back up their position. I mean, when somebody when you got a legalist in your face and they're showing you why they're right and they pick this little passage out of the Old Testament and then they dig really really deep into it and they're trying really hard that ought to be a warning sign right off the bat because the faith that saves you is a very simple faith, so simple that it has to be so simple that even a retarded Citizen can understand it and be saved. it's not that complicated it's simple. Jesus died, he was good enough. he was good enough to pay that price for you and he's, and he says, "I'll never leave you or forsake you and uh, he says, uh, to them who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That is so important. We need to trust Jesus that's our problem. We don't trust him
2: right. And that's where fear comes from in that area. And that's where people start doing legalistic things. You know, Somebody that begins on the path of legalism is afraid of what some person thinks. Or they're afraid of what God thinks and they don't believe what God said. It's a lack of trust and that lack of trust, that lack of faith is sin. It's sin. And you tell a legalist that and of course they, they can't hear it. Because they have a hardened heart. That's why Jesus had to talk to the Pharisees that's why the language that Jesus had to use with the Pharisees was so strident so severe because he was trying to snap them out of it he wasn't condemning them he was shaking them shaking them as hard as he could to get them to come out of their their state of mind and recognize that they were the ones that were sick and needed the doctor they were the ones that were you know sinful and needed to be saved and i think that's what happened to nicodemus I think Nicodemus got shook up enough that he was his his heart got soft enough to recognize that being a Pharisee was not going to be enough. Yes. And, and 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 he sought the Lord. He went to the Lord and was like, "What do I have to do to be saved?" He recognized that he wasn't, that his life was not enough. And if grace is the thing that saves you, grace is the thing that keeps you. Yes. If you want If you really, really honestly want to ignore the Bible and you want to tell Jesus that he's a liar and that what he said is not true, that his sacrifice is not sufficient, then you can go be a Mormon and do what they do because that's what they believe. Or you can go get into some seriously fringe Christianity and go be a Seventh-day Adventist who try to keep two of the Old Testament laws. Right when there's yeah. m- how ma- how many laws? <laughs> yeah, 10 you plus know? the 600 and something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like okay, well, I'm not going to eat this and I'm going to go to church on Saturday. If you yes. don't do this, you're not saved. That doesn't make any sense. You know no. that's why Paul said about the Judaizers, I just wish they would go emasculate themselves.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: He was like he was you so know, frustrated.
0: Either, why don't you just why, exactly just totally <laughs> just hack yourself completely off, you know, and be done yeah. with it. <laughs> he was And the thing
2: was is, you know, if you look at the gods of the uh remember when uh you know, Elijah. You can't go far showdown. enough
0: in You can't do anything good enough. That's but go no. ahead, the Elijah yeah, the are you talking about the Elijah contest
2: between him and Ben Yeah, and I mean what did the other guys do? To try to get the attention of their God. They cut
0: themselves and wailed. Exactly. The Baal worshippers. So they,
2: they mutilated themselves yeah. trying to get the attention of their God. And Paul recognized that the time for that kind of circumcision was over. That it was it was a sign for then and that God wants to circumcise our hearts. And and what's cool about that is that there is no gender specificity in that. No. A heart is a heart yes he included everybody in the sign you know there's neither junior gentile man or woman black or white everybody is either saved or not saved and so the, again we get back to fear and trust and uh and do i trust god do i believe what god says about me you know and so then i start thinking about am i going to make my brother stumble that is the fear of the lord Am I going to make my brother stumble? Am I putting in his path things that are going to make him trip up? And that's where people are maturely able to abstain from certain things. It's not for legalistic reasons. Oh, I don't drink. You know, because you can't be a Christian if you drink. No. You're causing your brother to stumble if you drink in front of him if he has a problem with liquor. And it also says in Scripture, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled you know, with the Holy Spirit. And so we have... All the guidance that we need for Christian living in the Word. I don't need somebody else who thinks there's something else to come to me and tell me. You need to be this thing, too. It's like uh, I've heard other people, you know, Ergen Kainer's one oh, of them yeah. and some other good pastors say that good, honest-to-God Christians want you to look like Christ and legalists want you to look like them.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, what you almost said was Jesus plus this and Jesus plus that.
2: There is no Plus. plus. Yeah. And so what we have to do then is, is we get saved, and then we go into the huge garden of our life, which is just full of weeds. You know, there's, there's, the fruit starts growing. But what impedes the fruit? What takes up the resources that the fruit needs to grow naturally through the Holy Spirit? Weeds. They're down there eating minerals. They're down there sucking up water. So we need to go in and weed our garden. And the Holy Spirit will show us what the weeds are. And, and one of the biggest ones is fear. And, and so we have to go in there and be willing to look at those things and say, okay, I'm afraid of this person. Like I had an, a moment in, that, in the drive with my wife where I was afraid that in my anger, because I didn't say anything mean to her, but I realized I was afraid. I had moved into almost like, because her and I, we used to have some problems and there was some serious codependency going on. And so I would ha- really try my hardest to drag approval out of her, you know, get her to say, no, everything's fine and really feel like she meant it. Otherwise I would be afraid. I'd be afraid like it was going to break down. It was something was going to go wrong. She was going to get angry and then I was going to have to deal with it and it was going to suck, you know, And, 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 and you start building up this anxiety and this whole thing. And then you start doing things out of your nature, out of, out of goodness of yourself, out of love. And you just start doing things to get somebody else to reinforce something in you that you already ought to know because the Lord has reinforced it. Yes. Because the Lord has redeemed that thing. Because the Lord has redeemed you. And so in that fear, you start acting that way. And then what you're doing is you're giving that other person, you are taking them and putting them in the place of God. God sits on the throne of your heart. If you allow anyone else to judge you, you are making them God. Oh, wow. That's idolatry.
0: Idolatry. Whoa. You have to be right. You must be right.
2: Uh, Well, who, who is the judge? God. Right. So, you know, it says in Romans, judge not lest you be judged. Yes. And so he's telling you, look, if you start going around And pointing fingers at people and saying, no, you're not good enough, your shoes are dirty, or whatever it is. Whoa, you've put them in the place of God. Yeah, you're deciding to get on someone else's – you're kicking God off the throne and you're trying to climb on it. You're trying to kick him out and you're trying to take that place.
0: Oh, you might be taking the place rather than the other person also. Yeah, or you're
2: allowing the person – yeah, it's basically you're trying to get God to abdicate. You're trying to tell God, don't be you who you are so I can be who I want to be. Oh, That's never going to happen. And that's where you overcome fear is when you realize that God is immutable, unchangeable, everlasting, good, totally and utterly omnibenevolent, omnipresent, omniscient, everything that you aren't. (laughs) And and he has decided to to use you know, the word that is applicable, condescend to our level to become one of us and to redeem us. And then he is the one then who owns us and dictates our value. He's because he knew what it cost. He paid it. So now he can buy us. And it says in scripture, do you not know you were bought for a price? Yes. And that was said to a group of people who were doing whatever they wanted to. And you, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and Jesus is speaking to the churches, and he says, you, you think you're rich, but you're poor. Yes. You know, and, and what do they think they're rich? Because they've got a mutual admiration society going on, telling them, oh, yeah, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool. No, I'm not as cool as you, but you're pretty cool.
0: Plus they had so wealth. We the, they had wealth, yeah, too.
2: But it, what it is, is and all wealth is, wealth is a big word for and I'm going to take, just to, you know, gen, kind of generalize it. Wealth is different for different people. You know, fame is wealth and popularity. You know, of course, there's the wealth of money. There's the wealth of approval. There's the wealth of, of you know, great self-esteem. There's these things that we get outside of God that we think make us wealthy And if we are not actually recognizing before the Lord that these are blessings that come from him, like it says in James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. If we do not recognize that for every good thing in our life, then we're not giving God glory. And I do not want to be the guy taking God's glory. I really don't.
0: No, me neither. I'm not qualified.
2: But we take away God's glory when we're afraid. When we're afraid of other people, and that's what it comes down to, it's always other people giving God's glory to them because we're treating them like God.
0: Would you say it's a being afraid is an insult to God?
2: Yeah, I would say it's it's an insult to God, but it's not an insult that God can't bear with. That He is—I mean, He's promised to change us, right? And so, if we'll recognize that, oh my gosh, you know, I really did this thing and I acted like. You weren't enough. Forgive right.
0: me. That's what I was trying to say. I mean, God, if I really trusted in you, I wouldn't be standing here afraid right now. Right. I've just insulted you. I mean, come on. Let me snap out of it here. Sorry right. about that. <laughs> you yep. know.
2: I believe, Lord. Help me with my unbelief. Yes. God understands that we are flesh and that we are weak. The Scripture says that. He knows that we are flesh and that we are weak. Yeah. Yeah. You know? When, when Peter got out of the boat, you know, and, and started walking on the water, God understood, Jesus understood what Peter was up against. Jesus had no fear. It didn't take Peter long at all to look around and see the waves and look at the order of things, you know, that he was used to, that when you get out in the water, you sink. And then when the waves are really bad then bad things are going to happen if you're out in it, right? And everybody gives Peter a hard time. And I look at the other disciples and wonder why they weren't getting out of the boat too.
0: Yeah, there you go. Right there.
2: And so, yeah. you know, Peter did it. And then, you know, he's like, oh, Lord, I'm seeking, And Jesus didn't go, well, that's because you stopped trusting me. What did Jesus do? He picked him up.
0: Yeah, he just picked him up.
2: Yeah, and oh, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't yes. sink when he pulled him out. You know what I mean? Oh. Jesus didn't go down in the water just because he was pulling up another guy. Wow. And he puts Peter back in the boat and he's like, all right, see you on the other side. And <clears throat> Martin, so, you,
0: you have just proved your point. Could you go over that one more time? Because I think it's so important. I mean, you said that I don't know, maybe I'll go over it for you. <laughs> you said that, you know, we have to we have to know, you know, when we when we're afraid you know we've just insulted God because we don't we don't trust Him. If we trusted him, you know and really believed him for what he said, if we had that faith, we wouldn't have that fear but then but that's not something we need to to be upset about because god's already he's not offended by that. He knows us, He knows our weakness, and what did Jesus do? He didn't say, "Oh, you have little faith to Peter when he started sinking. He reached in and pulled him up, didn't say anything to him.
2: Right, right. That's he didn't it. He didn't dog him out. No,
0: that's what I'm saying. He, he
2: didn't give him a hard time. Peter needed saved, and Jesus got him up and, and put him in the boat. Jesus, Jesus put him where he was supposed to be. He didn't say, and oh, ye when,
0: of little faith, like he'd say, you know.
2: Well, like he said when he was in the boat. No, I you know. know. It was a different situation altogether. These guys are with Jesus, the creator of the universe, in a boat with the Lord, and the Lord's asleep. He's Amen. fine, Right. If they had really recognized who Jesus was, they wouldn't have worried. And I'll tell you why. There's two reasons. One, either Jesus was going to get them through it, or two, they were going to die and they were going to be with God. Yeah. Right? And that's how Paul talked about it. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Right. Right? Well, who was he afraid of?
0: Nobody but Jesus.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And Jesus was the one that knocked him off the horse. We need to get knocked off our horses. Yeah. What did he say? What will you have me do? Yeah, immediately. <laughs> Lord, what would you have me do? Yeah. And, and, and that's what we have to do every time we start to feel afraid in the situations that we feel afraid. We've talked about natural fear. We've talked about dealing with the, the natural order of things. You come up against the bear. It makes perfect sense to want to run. You come up against someone dangerous. It makes perfect sense to want to protect yourself or to protect your loved ones. It's an order thing. It just makes sense. I don't go swimming when the shark flags are out. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just wisdom. That's understanding that the Lord has made animals that eat people. So don't go hang out with those animals unless you know how to deal with them. Yeah. Don't go you out know? without I mean, a gun. I hear all the time. Well, all the time. That's I have heard stories about people who train with killer whales. And they will be with this killer whale for years and years and years. And then suddenly the person somehow demonstrates some behavior that is programmed into that killer whale food.
0: And the killer whale
2: eats them or, or plays with them wrong. Yeah. Beats them up and kills them because the whale's stupid and doesn't know any better. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do, be a whale. Yeah. And people are in the water acting like they're supposed to be whales too. Oh, good one. And so we have to understand who we are. And the disciples are the disciples of Christ. They have already made statements clarifying that they understand who this person is. Right. You know, I believe it was. Uh, oh, which one was it, Philip? I'd have to look at the verse where it talks about uh, that one of the guys came to Jesus and said, "Oh, I got to go get my brother." And his brother comes up and uh, and he and he says, "You know, could." Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. And, and and Jesus says to him, you know, well, here's a Jew without guile. And uh, he says, well, how do you know? And he's like, well, I saw you sitting under the tree before you even came to me. Yeah. And right then, what does he say? My Lord and my God. Yes. Do you understand that at that moment for him to make that statement, anybody else around him that heard it should have stoned him on the spot?
0: Yes. Oh, that it was, was blasphemy. blasphemy to the Pharisees.
2: Right? So you've got these guys who understand who Jesus is, and they're in the boat with them. And they let their fear, their humanness take over. And they don't understand the purpose of God. And see, this is alignment with God's purposes. It comes back down to that. And we're always going to feel fear. We're going to feel that tweak inside. We're human. We're fallen. That's going to happen. But then we have to come to that moment of decision. Peter saw Jesus and got out of the boat. The fellows in the boat didn't get out of the boat. They were like, oh, it's a ghost. You know? And, and so Peter sees him and says, no, it's Jesus, and I'm going. And he's like, Lord, you call me, I'll come. And Jesus said, come on. So Jesus didn't ask him to go into a situation where Jesus couldn't deal with it.
0: Right. That looks like Peter Goodgame says, God is not going to place you into a situation that he can't handle.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's a wise statement, you know. And so, and, and you know, and again, this is one of those things that a lot of people use to prove that Scripture is an authentic document because it puts all the good and the bad in there. It didn't just say, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and looked around and fell in. Yeah. And then Jesus picked him up and put and put him back in the boat. And the, the other story though.
0: Where he was asleep. Where he's asleep. Now that speaks volumes to the person that's afraid. Think exactly. about that. I mean, Jesus was asleep. Horrible raging storm.
2: Think exactly. about that. That's a, And they just, and they shake him. They have to wake him up yeah. and say, We're gonna die. Yeah. And and he's like How long Am I going to have to put up with you people? <laughs> and then he gets up and he says to the storm, "Peace, be still." Yeah. Boom. I mean, imagine being in the absolute worst storm because the storms on Galilee are horrible. Oh right? yeah. They're on on that on the Gal- uh, sea of Galilee. Yeah, Knessari. and uh, they they just whip up. It's it's not very deep, and these and these storms can really come and just tear it up. And uh, and so I mean, all of a sudden, nothing. Yep. I mean, you are being tossed around, and then all of a sudden, nothing, because this guy in your boat got up and talked. Yep. It's like just how he dealt with creation. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he oh. got up, and he told the world to settle down. And this is another thing that I've taught on is um, – and I don't remember if I discussed this when we talked about anger, but there was something that's really cool about dealing with fear dealing with your fear before the Lord. It's extremely important why they needed to do it. If they had trusted him and and, and just trusted him. When they did come to him and they said, Lord, we're going to die, and he got up and he spoke to the storm, guess what else happened? Everybody else on that sea got calm. Yes. Everybody else got the benefit of Jesus speaking to their storm.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, that's deep. Well, if Jesus it, can speak to your storm and you're willing to listen, there will be other people benefited by this around you. Exactly.
2: If I'm, willing to deal with, if I'm willing to deal with my fear before the Lord in honesty and humility, recognizing that I have problems trusting him because I am a human being, but I know that if I will put my trust in him, He will do what he says. That if I will choose that, that takes fear out of my life and that allows me to love. And then when I'm able to love, then I can go to my children when they're afraid or I can go to someone when they're feeling fear. When I do counseling and I have someone severely depressed, they're depressed because they fear that they've lost everything, that they have not become what they need to become. They're afraid that it's over and all they're do is waiting for the box to show up for them to climb in and get the dirt thrown on it. That is what happens with people that are depressed. They're afraid it's over, and so they decide to just live in that. But when I'm free from fear, I can go to that person and show them how to be free from fear. When I'm able to look at my life and go, my life is hid in Christ. So no matter what anybody thinks about me, as long as I'm being obedient— as long as I am trusting God, as long as I am showing that I have the fear of the Lord, that I have put him in his proper place, and I will not allow anyone else to take his place. When he dictates the, dictates the terms of my life, and I accept those things, and I walk in that, then I'm fine. And it doesn't matter if I live or if I die. None of it is important. All that is important is that I honor God. And when I honor God, God takes care of me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Why? Because he, he feeds me. He gets me water. He protects me in the presence of my enemies. He walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death. That means that when I am getting ready to die, he is there to walk with me through that. Take me to that place walk me through that place and then be with me on the other side and if i'm not afraid of death then i don't need to be afraid of anything else
0: wow and that's true because that's the ultimate fear that everything all the other fears stem from
2: yeah because if you walk it backwards yeah you know if you walk it backwards and you talk to somebody on their deathbed and it's like well What do you regret? Well, they don't – generally, you don't hear people say, I wish I would played more (laughs) tune. Yeah. You know, they don't talk about – they don't talk about, well, you know, I missed this TV show. That would have been cool. They talk about broken relationships. They talk about achievements that they didn't achieve. They talk about goals for themselves that they didn't hit. But they talk about things like, you know, I was afraid. I wish I hadn't been afraid. I wish that I had been stronger. I wish I had been bolder. I wish I had been this or that, you know? And and so it's very apparent that the ultimate end speaks backwards into that thing then. So then we can look at that and go, you know, the people who are dying over here, what they feel bad about are these broken relationships. They feel bad about not loving enough. And that's what's got them scared because now they think they're going to go hit God's scales and they're going to be found wanting. Yes. Right? So that tells us that's important on this side. Not the TV. Not the entertainment. Not not any gold records I'll never have hanging on my wall. None of the achievements and stuff like that are what matter. The legacy that our worldview needs to fulfill is – did we walk with Christ, and did we help other people walk with Christ? Yes. And to do that, what do we have to choose? Those we have are, to choose to trust Him and not be afraid.
0: Those are the things, the treasures. Those are, the, are, those are our works that will pass through the fire exactly. the, and still exist. Exactly.
2: Not the wood, hay, and stubble. Right. Nobody cares about how many devil words you got when you're in heaven. Right. You know what I mean? And, yes. and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying no, but- it hopefully – kind of like Jesus did when he talked to the Pharisees. You're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. He didn't say that to them because he wanted them to feel bad and just walk around going, man, that Jesus is really a jerk. That wasn't the intent. He used the kind of words that he needed to to rock the worlds of those he was speaking to. If Jesus comes and talks to me, I'm, I've got a daughter. She's, she's my uh, uh, middle child, okay? My older, my son, you know he took some disciplining he was not a strong-willed child but it took working with him my youngest one you had to stay on her you had to be like okay you, no you can't do this this is, can't be the attitude if i even looked sideways at my middle child she cried she had sorrow right away because she wanted to please me and it was she had that sense of sorrow and 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 the idea was this, that she knew right and wrong, and she wanted to do that. And if she felt like she hadn't, then she wanted to fix it. She felt the loss of relationship. She didn't want Daddy to be mad at her. And so it was one of those things. It was a tender heart. She has. She's still very tender hearted. And we need to be that way. Yes. You know. So Jesus talked to the Pharisees hard, but when he met the woman at the well whose heart was broken and she was living a sham of a life, what did he do? He offered her living water. Yes. You know, and what did she do? She went all over the town and told everybody, there's a guy out here. This is the catch. And this is another thing that people that deal with fear, because, again, like I said, there's two kinds of fear, fear of God, fear of man. She ran all over the town, and she said, there's a man at the well who knows everything about me. Yes. She ran around and told her. And you know everybody in that community knew exactly who she was. You because, know they did. Yeah. They all knew that she was shacked up with a guy. Yeah. Violating the rules and that she had had all these previous relationships. And Jesus said, I know that you're with this person and you're not married and I know all these other things have occurred. Yeah. And then he's like, let me give you living water so you'll never thirst again. He knew what was wrong. What was wrong with her was she was just dying of thirst.
0: You know. You notice he didn't condemn her after he told her all these wicked things that were in her life. What yeah. did he do? He didn't say you better get your act together. What did he do? No, he offered her living water. Exactly. And that speaks what he, something.
2: He didn't turn Nicodemus away when Nicodemus sought him out. No. Humbly, you know, and what we know Nicodemus by tradition became a believer because he was there when Christ was crucified and helped take care of the body. Yes. And so here we have somebody who was open willingly, willingly open to be recognized as a believer in Christ despite the cost. And so that was it. Jesus was his lord. And and that's that's where fear is found. Am I going to be afraid of God or am I going to be afraid of men? And, love, and
0: so, of, love of Jesus is a huge part of that Because fear will come out of love I don't know that's I'm not theologically uh, based That's just some heart That's a heart knowledge thing That I, uh-huh. I'm either wrong on or I'm right on I think that if you love Jesus That will love dispels fear as well
2: It says in 1 John four eighteen, There is no fear in love But perfect love drives out fear Yes, Because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And in the, in the context of that chapter, John was talking about uh, boldness and sharing your faith. That's kind of what that was. And, and ultimately, you know, that's what we come down to, you know?
0: And sharing in, your lack of faith is important, too. Yes. Uh, that's what we do with each other.
2: Yeah. James said, Confess your sins, therefore, one to another, that you may be healed.
0: And sharing your lack of love, I think I'd like to do that with you and the, all the Iron Show listeners out all over the world. Is I had this kind of crisis that um, about faith. It wasn't about faith. It was about love. And you know, and I just finally came to Jesus. You know, and I said, Jesus, I just I don't think I love you. You know, I just I don't think I do. Uh, there, I think there's something wrong with my. You know. My relationship with you—I don't feel like I love you. I feel like you're too far removed. You don't—you're not somebody that is in my family, and I—I I feel like I don't love you like I should. And you know, going through that crisis, I uh, always listen to Christian radio all the time, all day, all night. And the great theologian R.C. Sproul addressed that. Uh, and he cited a number of uh, there, was a, there was actually A, a, um, a sort of a uh, convention On that exact issue And what, they, what the great theologians What the great minds in Christianity Came up with is this formula uh, uh, So you don't love Jesus Or you don't love him uh, As much as you should Let me ask you this question Here's the test do you care about Jesus at all? Even a little? And my answer was yes, of course I do. Well, then ask him to help you love him more. And that was a huge thing for me. Do you have anything to address that?
2: Well, you know, we look at ourselves as believers and we're worried we're going to fall short in the game here. Um. That we're not going to produce the fruit that the Holy Spirit has already promised to produce in us, you know. And we look at ourselves, and it's good to be, you know, examining yourself and asking yourself, you know, because it says, John, you know, John wrote that uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And again, I see that the same way that I see Psalms 23. You know, you've got David talking about the Lord is my shepherd, and he makes the statement, "I choose not to want." I shall not want, I know it, therefore I choose it. And it's the very same thing with, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You've got basically a directive. Okay, if you love me, then you'll obey me. And then you've got the other side of it, which is, if you love me, you're going to obey me. And so we need to look at the quantity quantity and content and quality of our love. You know, is our love pure for the Lord? No, no. No. Can he make it pure? He can make it purer, and, and then one, one day we will be as, you know, we'll be known. You know, and that's what that woman at the well experienced. She was known. She was known, and yet Jesus didn't throw rocks at her, you know? Jesus didn't stone her for her sin. He didn't condemn her. No, She was known, and he accepted her. He didn't accept what she was doing. No. He didn't say, you know, he said, go and sin no more. You know, that's what he he does. Yeah. You know what he did is he knew her, and that's what we ultimately want as people. That's uh, that's one one of the reasons why fear has such a hold on us is we want to be known, purely and completely known, and yet still loved. Yes. And, and 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 what we do then is we hide parts of ourselves from each other because we know that we're ugly and that we're we're covered with sin, and 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 that's. Oh, it's it, that is just the worst part of sin and and death, is it drives that wedge between us and God. It's that thing that just gets in there and makes it ugly, and we hide from him. And he's done everything to try and come to us, and we just when we want to hide and we hide it from ourselves and we hide it from other people. And the longer we live, the better we get at it, unless we let him get at it. Unless we let him start speaking to us and telling us, look, I know this already. You know, Mark, I know that you had this problem with food. I do. I have a problem with food, everybody out there. I'm gluttonous. And I'm working on it. And you know why I'm gluttonous? Because I don't trust God. I don't trust him. I'm worried about where the next meal's coming from. And so I'm chomping down on whatever's in front of me because I want to fill an emotional need. Because I don't believe that God's going to fulfill that need. That's really what it comes down to. Black and white on the balance sheet. That's what it is. I don't trust God. I eat too much food. That's it. Now, okay, I can look at that and I can feel horrible. And then I can eat more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, or I can look at that and go, you know what? I don't have to eat to make myself feel better. God has an order for this. He has created food for me to eat so that I can live. And I can eat like he did. You know, he was in social situations. Everybody gathers around the table. There's a normalcy to it. I don't need to let that get out of order. I don't need to let that control me. I don't need to be afraid of what's coming next.
0: Right? The same way. Because it's
2: the same thing. Either he's going to supply the food and I'm going to be all right. He's going to supply me the ability to get the food and I'm going to be all right. Or I'm going to die.
0: You know, I think, isn't it important uh, as we go through these processes to root out fear and and anger and, and sadness and anxiety and, and find out where, where, where our heart is, where love is? I mean, isn't it important to just do like you just did and like I just did and just come out and say, look, I don't trust God, obviously. I mean, let's just be honest. Right. You know? And it's not that you don't trust God It's that you don't trust God enough So don't be ashamed You know we can't be ashamed Of these Of of talking together You know And telling each other About you know Are the problems that we've got The the struggles that we have In our faith You Mm -hmm. know When Mark says I don't trust God He's not saying He doesn't trust God at all You know He just doesn't trust God enough Obviously There wouldn't be a problem If you know there wouldn't be, or there wouldn't be a problem, right? You yeah, I mean? Christ,
2: Christianity is unique in that there is a continuum, and you know, sin is sin, and sin will devastate the relationship with God. It breaks it. The thing is, is that Jesus, it says that He died for our sins once and for all, going forward, going backwards. He
1: said it it's is finished.
2: As it is finished, as long as we will confess our sins he will forgive us he's faithful to do that because yeah. he's paid the price he can be the one that declares over our sin it is no more you know and it's, it's it, god is the only one who can totally really forget it i as far as the east is from the west that's what he tells us
0: but it's not a short so, account but, thing
2: i mean but people I, yeah, will yeah, jump to I'm, short I'm,
0: accounts but, with god right there when you say that So we have to make sure They know what you're talking about I mean like What if you die What if I died an hour from now And I forgot to confess some sin I'm going to hell right No no no, it's not like that Because no, when you confess your sins to God What you're looking for is mercy and growth Not salvation Once right, you're already there's a, saved There's a
2: different experience for believers When a believer has confessed That Jesus is Lord And and that, he, that Jesus died for their sin and that they accept his death as the payment for their sin, that what they've done is, is they have invited God into their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. They've confessed Jesus as Lord and the only way to salvation, the only salvation. And when they have put their faith in him, it is done. The deal is cut. And then from there on, it's sanctification.
0: Right. And, 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 so, and Well, we can yeah. go, we can sin again. It can happen and For it happens sin. every day i i've i do it all day long small tiny sins you know or big sins depending you yeah. know on what day it is you know but what i seek from that isn't salvation i seek mercy from right. that i seek reconciliation so i can get back into that intimate relationship because sin will hurt your relationship with god
2: yeah and, and mean, it's it you that's hurting hurt it everything.
0: right oh yeah Okay. Well, yeah.
2: Well, I, I mean, I'm, what I mean is, is that that sin, you know, that's what brings about the fear. That's where the fear comes from, and that's where that's where we get concerned and we start acting weird and flaky about relationships, and about things. So we'll control.
0: Can confessing sin be a way to alleviate it, fear?
2: Absolutely. Because what I'm doing is, is I'm putting my trust in Christ again. I'm at least I'm a- getting out of the boat growing in grace. Exactly. I'm at least choosing to get out of the boat. Yes. And and so in that choice, I'm saying to the Lord, I recognize I have this problem. Will you please allow the Holy Spirit to talk to me? I will let the Holy Spirit talk to me and tell me when it's time to put down the cookie bag. You know, or tell me that I don't need to go to the buffet. You know, and then also I obey what he's already told me. It says in scripture, make no provision for the flesh. Right. That means that I'm not going to, you know, Shoney's for the breakfast buffet. I make that choice. Yes, I still have emotional need. I still have the aching hole that only God can fill. And learning how to do that is a process. But that's what's cool about Christianity. You know, it's not all or nothing like the law was. You know, and then I got to go find a good-looking goat to go cut its throat and right. throw it up on fire. It's That's not, a, done.
0: It's not a, set, a set of rules that we have to follow. It's a set of guidelines and principles that we have to follow.
2: Yeah, we, what starts happening is, is we start learning how to align ourselves with God's goals, God's view of the world. Right. The way he sees people. And if we will allow ourselves to do that, we stop being afraid of people. We stop being afraid of what people think. You know what? I'm I'm overweight. If you go out on my MySpace page or my Facebook page and you see the picture, I'm actually a little lighter than that, but I am overweight. Okay, now I can either stay at home and not talk to anybody about God because I feel bad about that, or I can accept the fact that I've made bad choices, or that I have physical problems. In my case, I have both, and then and then I can go out and do what needs to be done. You know, the Great Commission. It didn't. Jesus didn't say. Lose a bunch of weight, get a cool haircut, and then go out into all the world and preach the gospel.
0: He said, care about me and care about your brother.
2: Yeah, he said, go into all the world and preach. Go do it. But the commandments. I'll take care of all that stuff as we go. Right. In obedience to that, we learn to love other people. We need to see, uh, you know, we see people as God sees them. These commandments.
0: that we're supposed to obey when he said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. These commandments are care about me and care about your brother and sister. Exactly. You know Exactly <laughs> Give a rat's furry little bottom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
2: and we get in the competition. You know, we get in the competition of who's more important, me or you. You or me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Am yeah. I gonna get on here? Am I gonna say bad things to Johnny? You know, am I gonna get on here and say, Well, you know what, Johnny, I just don't think that you're real together here, scripture. Well, you would you would be It's a good know. thing it's a good thing you're having me on the interview so I can straighten out your <laughs> listeners. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, because, you know,
0: Johnny's not perfect, so I'm just gonna have to accept that. <laughs>
2: and and me, I come out here and I think I'm probably different than a lot of interviews that I hear over Christian radio a whole lot. That's
0: because we're know, friends. I hear, oh. I hear a
2: whole lot of, you know, stuff about you know, I've been successful in this and that. You know what, people? I'm a failure. Yeah. There's so many things that I have that I have just absolutely just failed.
0: Oh yeah, you've never you've never built you never built Breton's Ark.
2: <laughs> I have not built the Arkans No,. no.
0: <laughs> yeah, Brett, uh, Mark wanted to, Mark Bretton counselor Mark here wanted to build uh, in the last Iron Show. he said he wanted to build a, a big, huge house where people who are dealing with anger issues and fear issues could come and have a safe place to be. And I thought that was a bad idea. I thought I, I came up with a better idea. I thought that he should build a giant electroshock therapy compound called Mark's Arkansas.
1: need a
2: big sign the highway. No buzzing, cousin. So we
0: zap, you scream. <laughs> <laughs> we'll zap you into a better place we'll zap, 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 zap.
1: Alright,
0: um, before we go here I don't know how long you want to hang But before we go here There is somebody that's terribly scared right now And they've turned to this Iron Show because they feel like maybe it's one of the only things that they can listen to that's real. With real people that care about them. And they're, having, they're going through something really horrible right now. And they are so scared. Could you speak to them directly and personally for a minute?
2: Absolutely. My email address is thebreton at gmail.com. T-H-E-B-R-E-T-O-N. At gmail.com, if you are in the ditch right now, if you feel like you failed, if you feel afraid, if you don't know what to do, email me. I will get with you in the scripture and we will find the truth of God's word and we will find a way for you to let go of your fear and take a hold of the love of God. Because that's what you need is to be loved. And I love you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair talking to you right now. And Johnny loves you. Otherwise, he wouldn't go to all the time that it takes to do this show and just cast it out like bread on the water. We're here for you. We're not doing this so we, so we can feel good. We love you and it's fun. you know. And it is fun. I love doing this. But the reason that we're doing this is because Jesus said that we need to go out and love everyone. And you are loved. And it's hard to accept because you look at yourself And you see the missing parts. But you have to understand that the missing parts are there so that God can fill them. And when God fills them, you'll be whole. So email me. Let me know. Let me know what I can do to help and encourage you. And be encouraged. Scripture says, even though our heart condemns us, God is bigger than our hearts. And if you're having problems with fear, there's a way to overcome it. Start reading your Bible. Start learning what Jesus said. Start trusting in who he is, because that's where salvation comes from, who he is. And you have to start believing him. And I can help you start believing him. And you can talk to Johnny. And we'd love to hear from people who actually gain ground and do start believing more, who start choosing to let their fear go. Because what's going to happen is, just like I talked about, my failure with food and how I struggle with that, but how I choose to struggle. I don't just give up. I, ch- I choose to struggle. I choose to go before the Lord with my problem and say, here I am again, Lord, a sinner, just like that publican. I know that that's where the love comes from. That's when, as Resband put it, the love comes down. That is the reality when you meet with God, as you confess who you are, and he says, I love you. I will forgive you. And that's where we're at. We love you. And we want you to help find forgiveness with God. So contact us. Let us know. And we'll walk you through it.
0: Yeah, if you want to contact old Johnny, all you got to do is go to the front page page of the Iron Show and just hit uh, hit that big old contact link, and that will just take you right to a box. You can type right in there and hit the button, send, and I'll get it. And I'll talk to you. You know? And
2: if you need to contact me and you, for some reason, forget my email address, but remember ironshow.com, contact Johnny and he'll get it to me. Yep. We're a community of believers all around the world, and we are here for a purpose, to show the world what love looks like. And you're not going to get condemned by me. I have no place. I have, Jesus said I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to look like God. And we're supposed to look like Christ, and we don't go into the world to condemn the world. He hasn't sent us out to do that.
0: That's not my job to judge. I'm not going to nope. judge you. You talk to me. I'm not going to judge you.
2: I, it's not my place. It's not my place. My place is to help you learn the Word and understand who you are in Christ. That's what it is about. That is the love. And if I don't help you learn who you are in Christ, whether that means that we're fixing stuff that's broken Or, I'm not going to turn a blind eye. You know, if you've got something you're struggling with and you need help, I'm going to tell it to you straight. But I'm going to tell it to you with love because there but by the grace of God go I.
0: Yeah, and that's a good caveat, a good warning because the truth heals. Sometimes the truth is hard to hear, but once you have the truth, then you can start. That's your foundation for healing.
2: Yeah, the the scripture that says the truth will set you free is so true. Yeah. All you have to do is not be afraid of the truth. That's right. You just have to, even if the truth is I'm afraid of the truth, that is the first step getting out of the boat. That is an act of will which demonstrates faith. Just recognizing that there's a problem is an act of the will which demonstrates faith. And as soon as you demonstrate that faith— Your faith will get stronger as soon as you start to take that step. Just even cognitively understanding there's a problem. And if you look to Jesus and say, I don't know how this works, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you said you would. And so I am choosing to trust you. That is the beginning. And that's when the fruit starts growing, that's when He starts helping you weed that garden. That's when he starts getting anything out of the way that stops, you know, that anything that hinders the Holy Spirit. And as that process goes on in your life, you will experience great joy. It's like I, earlier I talked about my problems with food, you know. I do not live an, a life of misery as a result of it. I live a life of work. That is something where I continually try to turn my will towards the will of God. I align myself with God's purpose. Why does God want me to be in shape? So I can take care of my family. So that I can meet the needs of those people around me. If I'm up talking to a group, it's a lot easier for me to talk to that group and not sound winded if I'm in shape. It's all for His purposes. I don't want to look good just so I look good. It's not about having six pack, you know, and and, and picking up chicks. It's nothing like that. I need to be in shape to do His will. But for me to even begin to do that, I have to recognize that I have sinned and I have chosen something that is not God's best for me. And I just look at it square in the eyes and go, you know what? I'm like everybody else. I've chosen something that's not good for me. What am I going to do about it? And that's what i got to do.
0: Right. And you know, a lot of these things, they can't be done under your own power, under your own will. You really have nothing to offer God except for your choice and your surrender those that's that's where healing comes from that's the work that mark's talking about he's talking about you know he when his with his problem with his weight problem it's a life of work turning to god and dealing with it having god fix that fix what's wrong you know and if he slides back into it again he turns to god again That work he's talking about isn't human effort. It's making that choice to turn to God, and it's making the surrender and surrendering, which is anti-work, actually. Surrendering is an easy thing to do. It's easier than work. It's the opposite of work, but that's where all actual work comes from, is surrender. Uh, Am I wrong? Am I lying to you, Counselor Mark?
2: No. I think one of the most important words that any Christian can have in their life is yield. That means that I'm going to give the right away to the person who has it. I yield. I yield to the Holy Spirit. I don't have to go looking for the Holy Spirit to tell me what to do. He's there. I don't have to go looking for God to tell me what to do. I have his word. You know? I have his word. And I have his Holy Spirit. And he tells me what I need to know if I will be quiet. And listen, it says in Scripture, be still and know that I am God.
0: Good one. That's important for fear. Yeah. Be still. I mean, because when you're afraid, you're moving. Your brain's moving. It's moving a million miles an hour. And then when God says, be still, he means to shut down that cycle of fear. Just let it go. Just yeah. be quiet inside your mind and your heart. And,
2: and a lot of people are going to hear this and they're going to think, oh, well, you don't know how often my boss is. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I worked yes. for that guy. I was terrified of somebody who was horrible. I know. Yeah, you would be amazed experientially at the things that I know because of my own testimony and my own life Dude, that I've had to deal with.
0: You people say that you don't know the kind of people I work for.
2: <laughs> Johnny knows. <laughs> you know, scripture says there is no sin that's not common to man. Yeah? No sin. And and that and I mean that there's a whole set of circumstances that surround that entire thing. And and the reason why we haven't gotten into specific, some real specific fears in this particular show is because there's a root, there's a root cause that we've addressed. And some of you might be thinking, "Yeah, "Yeah, but," and that's totally cool. Contact us; we can deal with the "yeah buts" and the specifics because the situations they look the way they do, and they're very, very hard to comprehend. Changing, you know, it's hard to believe that it can change, but. You know, think about that guy who was in the pool of Bethesda for all that time. And the Lord of Glory walked up to him and said, do you even want to be healed? And the guy immediately says, well, I can't get to the water. The water had come to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Jesus asked him the question, you want to be healed? And, And the first thing he thought of is what God couldn't do. And, and it was get him in the water he couldn't get in the water on time. he couldn't do it. God could do it, and God healed him on the spot. Jesus healed him right then and there and and he can do that with you and in your mind and this is the Lord is talking to me right now, and there's somebody out there that needs to hear this because you feel like you are trapped and you cannot get to the water. You see other people getting to the water, you see other people achieving things in their lives. You see other people being successful. You see people overcoming their fear and you feel stuck and you feel trapped and you long so much to be whole and to not be afraid and you hate your fear and in hating your fear, you hate yourself. The Lord of glory wants to walk into your life and he wants to make you well and he is there. God is eminent and eminent. He is everywhere, ready. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. And if you feel that way, you are not alone. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can heal you from your fear. He can get into your life and he can change what looks like it's unchangeable to you. He's done it in my life and he has done it in millions upon millions upon millions of other believers' lives. We all come against fear. And he tells us that he will be with us. And he will never put us in a a situation that he cannot take us through. So if you feel stuck, think about that story. That guy sat there and sat there for years and years and years. And Jesus went right to him. He didn't just happen to come by the guy. He had to go right to him and ask him, do you want to be made well? And Jesus made him well. Like I said, that guy couldn't get to the water, but thank God the water's coming to you. All you have to do is accept it. And if you have problems accepting it, ask for help. And the Lord will help you, and we will help you, because we are a family, we are a body, and my hand is not going to keep me from getting the sustenance that I need into my mouth and I am not going to stand back and watch anybody who tries to get help not get it. You contact me, you contact Johnny, you will get help and we will give you what we can and we will direct you to a Bible teaching church as best as we can so that you can get help. And we'll try to get you plugged in with other believers who are not judgmental, but believers that are interested in loving you and helping you overcome the things that you need to overcome. Fear is a monster. It will stop you from seeking the help that you need to overcome your fear. It's, it's insidious, but it can be broken. It can be broken through the Holy Spirit, but you have to make a choice. That man had to say yes, and Jesus healed him.
0: Yeah, and you have to say yes. I mean, you you can't do anything on your own. You don't have any power on your own, you know, in, in any of your Christian walk, and especially if, if you're an unbeliever, you still, you know, you really, you've got it, you've got it even worse than that. But you've got you've got that choice. You got that choice to say yes. I'm willing to take what you got. You know.
2: Said it exactly. Said it exactly. He is ready and able and willing and desiring to take what you've got, to take who you are. You know what you are to God? An opportunity to be glorified. That's true. God sees you as an opportunity to glorify himself through you. And that is the absolute best thing that could possibly happen to you, is to have the God of the universe glorify himself through you. And it will cleanse you, and it will give you joy, and you'll feel so good to not have to be so important that you're afraid of it. I, for my part, to kind of just wrap it up, I'll tell you a story. I, uh, I was going to this breakfast where the men at the church that I went to, well, we went to Cracker Barrel on every Friday morning. They still meet. I haven't been able to. And I remember sitting there uh, talking, and we were talking about heaven. And to tell you truthfully, I don't think about heaven a lot because I have no idea what it's going to be. You know, it says in Scripture that mind, you know, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. So heaven, you know, we hear some things, but we really don't know. We're just—it's going to be unbelievable. And this friend of mine, who was an excellent drummer, was saying, "Man, I can't wait to get to heaven and play drums." And I remember thinking to myself, and this should be indicative of how a lot of people feel. I looked at him, I said, "You know what I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven." And he was like, what? I said, I'm finally going to be able to not have to think about myself. That's the freedom that we really seek in our life, is to just get out of the way and not worry about what people think, not worry about anything, just be totally known and accepted by God. And he offers that to us now. And we'll get there. And when we're together in heaven, I won't be thinking about me. I'm going to be thinking about God, and it will be the freest Most wonderful thing I've ever experienced or could ever experience. But it starts here. It starts now. I am a joyful Christian because every day God is getting more and more of me out of the way. And the Holy Spirit produces fruit and shows His love. If you want it, we can get it. So there you go.
0: Yes, but as for now, we see through a glass darkly. But someday I will know, even as I am known. That's it. That's right, buddy.
2: All That's right. It. <laughs> Such a solemn man. Aren't you life <laughs> is It's just, believe it or not, it sounds so serious here, and we're talking about heavy things. But we are in this together, and we are so happy to be in this together. Can you hear me, people? I am so
0: happy to be in your ear for over two years. All right! a yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> <Lost that, lost. laughs> What's up? <laughs>
0: What's up? Oh, yeah, now it's time for our traditional Iron Show one, two, three goodbye. It's easy, it's quick, because we hate saying goodbye. This takes all the pain, fear, and anger out of it. Are you ready, Mark? I'm ready. One, 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 one two, 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 three, three, eight, eight. Goodbye, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Hey Mark, you still there? Counselor Mark. He loves you, man.